Hey, good morning. Morning, Tato, everybody. Well, this feels a bit strange because I know this place, this location. You know that cupboard, that wall pattern. Good memories and bad memories. I'm talking about lockdown, you know, Zooms and lives like this. And, you know, this all came about. I was going to do a live on the phone and, and you know, we've had two weeks, as Hannah mentioned, uh, off out of a building. We never stopped being the church, of course. But many of our services today you'll be going to somewhere in New Zealand or Australia, if they're up early enough. Uh, you'll be going to a service after I finish here in the next 30 minutes. But I thought I would bring <clears throat> something just to give you an extra insight, revelation, adding to my New Year's message. I think you would have seen it live. We've got a vision. We've got a direction for this 12 months. And that's been kind of continued from the whole... Uh, insight to David's strategy of building an army. And you know that the book of Acts in 15, the apostles themselves says that that same strategy and insight, the way that David did his army, will happen in the end time church. So this adds to it. So today <clears throat> I want to quickly get into it. Um, you'll probably want to get ready soon if you're not all get it, or get, always getting ready, of course, but <clears throat> ready to go to church. Now, um, I want to start by going to Luke chapter 7. So I'm, I'm going to have to read through here and may have my head down a bit, but I think it's important that we catch the scripture. So I'm going to read it as quick as I can, and it might come up on the screen. Luke 7, a beautiful passage of scripture, one of the most powerful in the Bible. In verse 3, well, it says he concluded his sayings, in verse 1 I'll go, and he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. That's us. We're going to be healing a lot of people this year. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one for whom he should do this was deserving. In other words, the people of Israel felt that this centurion, who was a Roman centurion, he was over a hundred men, hence the name or the title Centurion. So they were oppressing Israel at the time. And this Centurion had a servant that fell sick. And when they came to Jesus, he sent people. He didn't go himself. <clears throat> he sent his friends to go and see Jesus. And it says here, um, when he, so when they heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a church or a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority. Wow. Having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
when Jesus heard these things, he marveled. In other words, he was impressed at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house and found the servant well who had been sick. So he was healed before they got back. Wow, what a story. I want to take some uh, revelatory tidbits out of this and give to you, as I said before, we go off to your church service or whatever you're going to do today. The first thing I want to pick up on <clears throat> is the centurion. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know the centurion who was over a hundred men? He was not in favour. He was really an oppressor of the people of Israel. So in no way was this guy an insider. He was an outsider, really right out. He was a heathen. They were violent and cruel, the Romans. So this officer, who was a high-ranking officer, was really no friend of God's people. And he was definitely not seen by the Jewish people as one who was deserving to get a miracle off one of their own. So you've got to put yourself into that setting. It's amazing that somebody from an outside position like this was going to get the miracle of his life. Now, one of the things I want to bring to you very clearly here is that the centurion opened a door that's never been opened before. And that time, there was not a door open like this one he opened. Let me explain a little bit more here why I'm using the term that the centurion opened a door that not even the very religious nation of Israel or one single believer, very religious nation, couldn't come to this level of bringing a miracle in such a <clears throat> unique way. That door, I believe now, is, a, is ripe and ready for 24. A door for 24 has got much more for you. That's what I'm really talking about. There's a door that's waiting for you to enter through it. Now, in Revelations, you know the scripture where it says, and I think it's Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and what? I knock and wait for you to open the door. So if you open the door, he said, I will come in personally and be with you, eat with you, fellowship with you. Look at that. You have to open the door. Revelation mentions a door. That's an access point. That is narrowing it down to a certain principle or revelation that you have to have to actually reach through in the Spirit and open. Immediately after that verse 20 of chapter 3 in Revelation, it goes to chapter 4 of the book of Revelation. Now this is interesting. It says, behold, a door is now open or starting or wants to be open in heaven. Now wow, two verses and two separate chapters of the book of Revelation. Here's the Revelation. There's a door. That door in heaven is going to bring much more in 24 for you. Do you get that? So that door is going to take you into what would be an absolutely amazing place of receiving the miracle working power of God like no other way you've heard. Okay, so we're ready to hear? Well, that's what I'm going to start about hearing. Look at this. It says, when he heard this whole uh, amazing story is based on 
Reputation. You've got to have a reputation. Have you got a reputation? Reputation meaning that somebody knows about you. They've heard about you somewhere, sometime. If you're not heard about, how can people know to come and see you or call upon you? Isn't that great? You know, what I love about Jesus, that he wasn't silent or safe. He didn't stay indoors in churches and just do service and then go and do his own thing. That man made himself a reputation. It's time that you got a reputation. You cannot, and you need to understand this, you cannot get a reputation just by thinking, okay, I'm going to be a good person, have a great reputation. People will be ready to hate what you love. They will start to destroy what you begin to build. If you're preaching Christ, you're going to be hated. You're going to have opposition. You're going to be talked about. Nasty people, you know that. But that doesn't mean to say we cower back and be safe in a church and silent rather than get out there and be noticed. He heard about Jesus. If people are going to hear about you in your neighborhood, at your workplace, it's time for you to shout it from the rooftops. Do something. You know, heal somebody. Pray for somebody. Help somebody. Feed somebody. Raise a dead person. You know, Cast demons out of somebody. You're doing something that's going to start to get you a reputation that you are Jesus in that situation. Mm. <clears throat> Everybody's looking for him. Trouble is you can't find him in fresh air. Jesus is now living in humans that represent him. I'm talking about you and me. Now your workplace needs to, you need to get a reputation there. If you haven't had one in 2023 or back, in 2024, it's your time to get a reputation so people can hear about you. They'll call you a nutter. They'll say, that's the Jesus lover. That's the destiny. Great. That's a reputation. A good reputation, not a bad one. You don't need to create any bad or nasty. You'll get that by doing, being good. So you don't need to do that. <clears throat> good reputation of doing good. And that's how the centurion heard. I've heard about Jesus. I heard he heals. I heard he takes on the religious institution. I hear that he succeeds. He's a man that loves people. He's a man that cares. He's a doer. Okay, so we got that point. He, he just had a reputation. The second thing, and I think this is really important here, and I put this down because I talked about um, him hearing, and then, of course, you would think he'd get in contact with Jesus himself. He didn't, or would Jesus come to me? What he did was, he felt that he was so unworthy. He knew that being on the outside, not being a believer, and in fact impressing the, oppressing the believers, he was giving them a bit of stick. He was giving them hell, not heaven. You know, this guy felt like a lot of people do around you. They may act like, oh, I'm not interested in your Jesus or Destiny Church. But really inside, they feel like they're unworthy to actually directly approach God for themselves. I mean, this centurion felt like he says, I'm not deserving. You know, I'm unworthy. <clears throat> See in these verses, he says, don't trouble yourself to even come under my roof. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Now, how do you see that Jesus, and you already know that he was going to be termed as giving or having great faith. Like faith like never seen like any of the apostles even. None of the great 
You know, Jewish believers had faith like this man, and yet at the same time, he carried a sense of unworthiness about himself. There was a lot of humility in that, right? So here's a, a, a mix that you've got to understand with people you're dealing with. He sends others on behalf of not himself because it wasn't about the centurion getting healing. He was wanting healing for somebody else he loved. <clears throat> now, when you get that picture, maybe there are a lot of people who don't themselves want to be engaged directly, but somebody they love who needs help from you. Now, that's an interesting kind of a concept here about reaching out that we haven't thought of before. That somebody you're talking to may not look like they want to be interested because don't forget the centurion never met Jesus. Wow. So they don't have to actually directly have to talk to you. It might be somebody else that you can touch that touches them. Sometimes we get a bit religious about having to try and pull everybody that we see at once into it. Maybe it's going to take time. Everybody will meet Jesus in their spirit. I'm not saying that because the centurion didn't meet Jesus, people don't need to meet Jesus. Oh, he met Jesus all right. He met him in another way. He knew him. And it was his faith that unlocked the door for him and others to be healed. He knew Jesus by believing, not by physically receiving him. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're dealing with somebody you can't see. So people say, oh, I want to meet Jesus. No, you need to believe Jesus. Believing Jesus is what he said. He doesn't say, you need to see me. He says, believe me. And then if you can believe him, then you can receive the word that somebody gives. Because I'm not hooked up on having to see first before I believe. That's a, that's a very powerful thing that's going on here. He is not saying, I need to actually be with you. I don't need to personally have coffee with you, Brian. I don't need to be with you or Hannah or to have your physical appearance visiting me at the hospital. And your word is enough, even if somebody else conveys it. That's what's happening here. See, I'm talking about a different door here. I'm talking about a bigger door than the door you've been through in the last year or the year before. Right up now, this door for 24 has much more. Much more. It, it's going to give you more love. It's going to give you more power, of course. But it'll give you more happiness. It'll give you more opportunities. It'll give you more grace, more boldness, a more uh, ability to receive your family and to take your family higher, more ability to get back what you lost in the past. That's what it means. Sometimes you can be thinking, oh, wow, you know, more. Yeah, more money. More money for you. More money for us. That's involved in it as well. But the bigger part of this is that it was more, much more, because it comes from heaven. The door was in heaven. That's what Revelation says. In the spirit world, you're going to touch there first to leave something in the material world. Let's move on because I want to get to this the important part here. And it says there, therefore I do not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, under authority, having soldiers under me. So this is incredibly powerful. I think the healing happened right here. These are the punch verses here. These are the powerful, the powerful punch of the healing happened at this moment 
that this man said what he said. This is a military mindset. That's why I'm saying to you the army is not just about what you think, oh, a fighting, big army fighting force. Oh, no, 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 no. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, the apostle said, you endure hardness, endure hardness as a good soldier. See, he's going to the army side that the church doesn't touch. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, not entangling yourself in the small, trivial aspects of the civilian life. That's the life, the ordinary life we're living. You're actually not meant to be caught up with that. Really, you're a soldier, and you've got to please the one, it says, ending that verse, who enlisted you. See, you've been enlisted. Please, pleasing your higher officer. Pleasing him who is above you, who has enlisted you. And that is a part of soldiering. So a military mentality actually brings a, a bigger and a more extravagant expression of honour. Because you have to obey and submit to authority. This is good, isn't it? So I want to talk about this because what it says here, I'm also a man placed under authority. Are you under authority? Or are you doing your own thing? You have to be under authority. I know the church in recent times has got more and more individualised, separated. Hasn't helped with the pandemic, with the enemy placing more division between us, dividing families, dividing workplaces, dividing uh, our churches. Division and isolating has always been a part of the enemy's tactics. Your house divided can't stand. So anything that causes you to feel, I don't need to be regulated by any other human. Um, this whole under authority thing is going too far. It sounds a bit like Destiny Church. We're under the authority of Brian Tamaki and the elders or our pastors. Too right, you're under authority. If you aren't under authority, then you're in rebellion. That's what it's, it's clear. And so... He's giving back a military, a military mindset means I'm placed under an authority. This is what the centurion, I, I'm a fairly um, high officer, ranking officer. I've got a hundred, that's what centurion means. I've got a hundred men under me. Now, they obey me. And this is how we bring order to disorder. Because there is disorder. This is how we bring uh, something that's in chaos back into line and we are able to have a, a life that's lived and it's protected. See, he's got to understand all this. So, obviously, you can't have a successful army that protects, but it also attacks the enemy. You can't effectively attack your enemy unless you're in an army. You can't defend what's, what you love and what matters to you unless you have an army. And unless that army is organized and has a chain of command a chain of command that's what he's talking about he says i am under somebody and i'm also over people so he said i'm successful with my hundred men because i'm successful in obeying who gives me orders oh you might be saying oh that's not christian right well jesus said in luke chapter 10 i think it's verse 16 he said, whoever uh, receives you receives me. 
whoever rejects you rejects me. And if you reject me, he said, then you reject the one who sent me, of course, who was God the Father. Now that's what we call a chain of command. And it's big, bright and bold in the scriptures. That's right, Luke 10, 16. A lot of Christians ought to hug that verse for 24 because that's going to open the big door of much more. If you cannot get under authority and take orders, then you're going to find yourself isolated out and the devil will take you down. When you are in the chain of command, that means you're able to obey. Here's another good word, a military word. Why obey? Because in Hebrews 13, 7, pretty sure that's the scripture, it says there very pointedly, obey those who have the rule over you. Now you tell all your Christian friends, it says it's not right that you should be obeying man. You say to them, I bind that spirit of rebellion in you, my friend, in Jesus' name. Then you slap that scripture in front of them. Obey. Obey means there's no discussion. You take orders. How good are you at taking an order? Now let's say that I'm the leader of Destiny Church and I said, we're going this way. There might be people who say, I'm not going that way because God told me to go this way. So then what's right? Because you say that we ought to hear God. Yes, you do. But when you have a spiritual authority, they are hearing God at a closer point in the chain of command than where you are. Now, one day you might go up the chain of command, but right now you are where you are. So you might be having a group this year, whether it be Man Up, Legacy, um, another group that's gathering uh, with the people that you're around you, bringing your platoon, your group, your army together, saving souls, we're baptizing them, initiating them into the church, into the army of God. Now, they, they will flow with you. So the power flow comes from recognizing your authority. But they'll only recognize your authority to the measure that you give a recognition of the authority who is over you. That's the way how people feel free to work with you when they know that you're working under somebody else, under authority. Because he says, I am also a man under authority. So he's already knowing, he is not assuming, he knows that Jesus is moving under a greater power. And Jesus knew that he knew. And what he knew was marveled him. In other words, it surprised him that an outsider had a revelation bigger than the insiders. <laughs> those, those close to him. That's why Jesus said, who do you say that I am? To them. He wanted to know just exactly how they saw him. Because it mattered how they saw their leader. Because honour and humility is a big part in opening a door that's bigger and gives you far greater by that person who has a greater gift in a greater position to be able to release benefits and blessings you cannot get by yourself. That's true. So that's the big open door about much more. So the honor that came to Jesus made him kind of like feel great. He said, wow, yeah, wow. This guy is so humble, he doesn't even want me to come under his roof because he feels so ashamed of having such a great leader as me. 
He said, in fact, you're so great. Now, he's a centurion who's from a violent, cruel race of people who are oppressing the very people that Jesus was sent to. In other words, this guy shouldn't even be getting any blessings from the Jewish Jesus because he was a heathen. And God said, I'm sending you, son, to the house of Israel first, and then later on, the apostles will go to the Gentiles. He broke rules. Everybody was breaking rules here. The centurion broke a rule. Um, Jesus broke a rule. And God allowed rules to be broken for a higher, more powerful move of faith. He called it great faith. How am I going? I'm just about there. Great faith. Look at this. What that honor. In other words, the greater the more extravagant that honor you give to that person, they, they, you, the favor you give begin to release an open door on that gift. The gift cannot but help when it is actually respected. You receive the anointing you respect. So when somebody disrespects me or, you know, they don't really have the honor or the, you can tell, then it's harder for me to release that. And even though you want to minister, I am not in charge of the gift that God gives us that is moved as either it flows or it basically blocks. I'm not in charge of blocking it. I can't easily bless somebody that doesn't have the right approach. Huh? I'm not, a, it's, you understand this. So when you honor somebody, and this is why Destiny Church is so, so good, I believe that why we've been given many of the harder tasks for our nation is because everybody knows the chain of command. That releases the flow right through everybody. We have a flow, and when it comes like that, if you're honoring your leader, he honors me, I'm honoring Jesus, and Jesus is honoring God the Father, <clears throat> then God the Father releases that blessing. There is such a flow of a powerful thing called authority. This wasn't a power discussion. It was an authority discussion. Exousia, not dunamis. Dunamis is power. Exousia is authority. Both exousia and dunamis come under the same word in your Bible as you read power. Sometimes it means raw power to do, the ability. And the other part, it means exousia, the permission to use that brute force. See, I'm using Jesus' power, so I need permission to use somebody else's power. You can't just take it for granted or, or steal it. You never get it. You've got to get it through authority. In other words, I have authority because I have approached that authority by submitting to it. Mm. So I take orders. I, I revere where it comes from. And I give honor to that person. I love Jesus and I honor him. He is first place, first word, and first instance in my life. So therefore, the gift, the flow of power, grace, and what I need to live at this level comes to me freely. Then I can only dispense that to those who approach it in the same manner. You've got to touch it with honor. You disrespect me is not about me. It's disrespecting the gift and the principle of honor that opens the door in 24 for a greater release of much more. Wow. 
that servant was healed before these guys got back around the corner to the street where he was. He was already healed. Why? Those verses. That, that verse tells me that this man gave an answer that was just absolutely unbelievable. You say the word. I know if you say your word, it's done. Wow, can you imagine that? Every word that you say to somebody, they actually believe it will be done. That's great faith. Let's believe for great faith. All right, it's my time up here. Thank you so very much for coming online for this livey. You're going to have a great time if you go into the service to sing and praise. Well, let great faith flow in your praise and your hearing today. God bless the pastors and the speakers and every person that came online today. We'll see you later. Father, I pray right now for this extravagant honour, this open door for much more in 24 is going to come upon you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. See you later.